Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 30th, 2017. Um, today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 47, the fourth paragraph that begins, besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith. Um, today's readers are Marietta P. on the 12 Steps, Esther F. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Du L., Allison L., and Martha Z. Um, our newcomer greeter today is Mary Ann D. And the reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, May 29th, 2017, 7 a.m., the number is 9987, and 10 a.m., the number is 9989. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta P. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Marietta P. from Virginia. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our, all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marietta P. And I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should remain autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We, meet, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 47, the fourth paragraph, which begins, besides a seemingly inability to accept much on faith. We will read one paragraph and share on that paragraph, and I will ask Du L to begin reading. 
Good morning. It says, besides the seeming inability to set much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual themes made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was the great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And um, good morning. This is um, do recover compulsive overeater from New York. And I, I love this because it's given us a, a sketch. You know, it says, you know, are, are you willing to believe in a power greater than yourself? And, and, you know, at this point in time, people are still struggling with, you know, do I believe, do I have to accept this faith? Um, and, and it says we found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy. In other words, stubbornness, unreasonableness, um, being inflexible, uh, being self-willed, being resistant, right? Um, just just the casual reference of a higher power uh, or spiritual things. We got touchy. We got uptight. We got offended. We got um, irritated. Um, you know, our emotional nature just just cropped up and, and bristled with antagonism. And, and it's given us the, one of the first instructions here. It says, you know, we had to abandon this sort of thinking. And the reason is because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, how do I know it doesn't work? Because when I look at how I resisted, my best thinking got me to this program. My best thinking got me to OA. My best thinking got me to be close to 300 pounds. My best thinking got me to health problems. My best thinking got me to unmanageability. And, um, and it says safe, faced with alcoholic destruction, for me, compulsive eating, right? Uh, faced with this, I had to become as open-minded on the matter. Um, you know, it's a simple program. Uh, I don't have to try to figure it out in order to know that it works. Um, and, and that's what it's saying here, you know, that I don't have to figure it out because what's going to help me to figure it out is the pain. Um, it says alcohol was a great persuader. Pain is going to effectuate, is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. You know, when I get in enough pain, believe me, I will get as open-minded as I could ever be. And they're saying, you know, we hope that you don't go through this tedious process. You don't have to go through this tedious process if you follow the directions of abandoning your old ideas and accepting this new way, right? This new way is through the 12 steps. This new way is to accept something else outside of you to work on your behalf. You don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to try to do it yourself because you know your history. You know, I know my history. My history is anytime I try to figure it out, my life became unmanageable. Anytime I try to figure it out, uh, I made a mess of things, you know. So I had to try something new. 
And the, the thing that they're saying here to try new is this new higher power, this new way of doing things to remove the mental obsession that keeps me in the insane, unreasonable, prejudiced way of doing things. And, um, and they're saying, you know, as you know, we hope that no one else would be prejudiced as long as you were, because it doesn't work. You know, there's a simple solution, accept a higher power, accept something new working in your life to get you out of this insane way of doing things. And, um, and in my case, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it was a tedious process for me, but I finally conceded. I finally um, surrender. And I tell you, my life has totally transformed. And, and I'm grateful to this process. I'm grateful to my higher power. I'm grateful, you know, for, um, for, for giving up and giving in to something better for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do L. Okay, who would like to share on this paragraph? Madam. Kim G. Reva P. Madam. I got you, Matt. Okay, I have Matt M. Kim G. Reva P. We'll take a couple more. Garrison. Garrison. Is that who I heard? T. Garrison. Mm hmm. Okay, Tina S., and I heard one other. Roseanne. Roseanne. Okay, we'll stop there. Rose so, M. I'm sorry. Rose M. Okay, got it. Is that right, Rose M.? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, we have Matt M., Kim G., Reva P., Garrison, Tina S., and Rose M. Please go ahead, Matt. Hey, thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Madam Pulsover Eater from New Jersey. I've been so strongly, I have been so touched that a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle and antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. That was so me. When I first came in the room, I heard all the God talk. I'm thinking, what is this? Some kind of religious cult that I have to join? I, ha I have to believe in God to do this? And then I, and I, I was angry. I'm like, I need to get recovered, and I have to deal with, deal with the whole God issue. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to. For ten years, I struggled with the God issue, and uh, I realized I don't have to believe in God finally to work this program. And anybody who tells me that is somebody that I really shouldn't be talking to because you don't have to believe in God to work this program, a Christian God that I grew up with. You just have to believe there's a power greater than yourself. And for me, I'm grateful. I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to get myself caught up in all the minutia and all the. The, the the wording uh, of the big book. I can believe that the big book, that the spirit of the big book is there and what the, what it's actually saying rather than re, rather than what, what the actual words are. I can read between the lines and get the meaning of the words without actually, like, um, bristling anymore with what the content is because, you know, the big book is re read, was written for a reason and it was written by a higher power and all the stuff in there hasn't been changed in over 80 years because it's, it's still the same. It still holds true today what was held true yesterday back in the day. So... I'm just grateful I am willing to follow within this book because this book is saving my life. It's like it's like my own, if you will, Bible for how to live my life, a manual for living. So I'm just grateful I'm willing to follow directions and follow the steps one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. 
Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I really complicated step two um, for many years. You know, I, I thought I had to resolve my issues with my childhood religion. I thought I had to have the specific idea of God. I thought I had to have a relationship with God in step two. Step two is simply the conclusion that I need a power. I am taught in the prior chapters that I am powerless. And I, in step two, I'm being confined with the idea, if I am powerless, do I need a power? And I look at how open-minded I am on other matters. I mean, I think to myself, when the latest iPhone is coming out, people wait overnight for that iPhone. And if you ask them, most of them won't even know what the new features are. It's just that there's something new out there, and we're open-minded, and I want whatever is new, the latest you know, gadget I'm going to get. So I think of another area of my life where I am powerless and how open I am on that. I am somebody that has no sense of direction. I go into a hotel, turn around a couple times, and I can't even tell where my room is. And when they came out with GPSs, it changed my life. Now, when the GPS came out and I was told that I could put an address into this machine and it would get me from point A to point B, I didn't feel the need to know where those satellites are up in the air. I didn't know that I had the need to know what the patent said or who the engineers were that worked on this GPS. What I knew is I had a need because of my powerlessness of directions. And what I did was I bought this machine, I plugged it in, I put it in an address, and each time I got to that next address, I, my belief began to grow that, man, this thing actually works. So that's what I had to come into over Anonymous with. And even for me, after all those presences of being in OA for a long time, like Matt said, this, these directions haven't had to be changed in, in 80 years. Maybe it's just my need and my experience before OA and in OA that in and of myself, I cannot stay abstinent. And even if I can get abstinent, I can't stay abstinent contently. And if my need is simple enough that the conclusion is step two to move on to make a decision to seek that power. And I have to tell you, GPSs, when I got them many years ago, have been really improved by that. I have a social media GPS that tells me about traffic. And let me tell you, the power I got six and a half years ago when I did these steps is no longer sufficient either. And as I grow in understanding and effectiveness, this higher power relationship grows, and it, may, and it helps me even more, the same way that the GPS helps me even more. But I don't need that relationship in step two. In step two, I have to acknowledge that I need some sort of relationship with power greater than myself. It's through the step, step process that I will begin to get that relationship, which concludes in step 11, and I grow in understanding and effectiveness from there. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. What's striking me this morning is about references to my thinking, and again, it's all about my thinking, um, and the word abandoned. Um, and I knew when I reached my bottom with the food that my way wasn't working because I tried and I tried harder and I tried harder, harder, and it didn't work. Um, and I was ready to consider something different. But what's striking me this morning is with everything else in my life, I often think I know, and I know how this should be, and I know how people should behave, and I know how things should work out, and when it doesn't, um, I get more irritable, restless, and discontent. And the word abandon for me doesn't just mean resignation. Um, it means 
it implies for me a sense of trust that when I abandon or somebody puts a little baby on a doorstep and they abandon it there, they trust that the person who's going to open the door is going to love and care for that little baby um, with total care. And when I abandon my problems to God that go way beyond the food, um, it implies that God knows better what the solutions are. God can handle it. God is big enough, or whatever I choose to call that power, is bigger to handle it. Um, And the reasonableness is acknowledging that I don't really know how to do a lot of things. Um, And I'm willing to consider that there's a power that knows better um, because the the insanity and the craziness is going about my life, controlling everything and everyone the way I try to do with food. Um, And thank you, God, it doesn't work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Uh, Garrison, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. This is Garrison, compulsive over here in Baltimore, Maryland. This is my first time sharing on the line, and um, I just um, I just wanted to kind of claim my seat and say that um, you know I've I've been abstinent for um, a couple of months and. Um, I have not committed to um, a vision for you sponsor. And I listen to you guys every morning, and listening to this um, reading this morning in We Agnostics um, just reminds me that, you know, I've, I've been able to stay abstinent many times um, over the past several years, um, you know, by my own power or willpower or just following the food plan really well and um, and it's just clear to me uh, as we read through these pages that um, that I need to um, abandon myself to God that I that I that that's something that I haven't tried and if I want to stay stopped this time um, I probably need to try that and um, I hear I I hear myself kind of like selling myself short and uh, you know wondering what everybody on the line is like going to think of me or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I just um, I guess I just wanted to say hello and say that um, that um, you know the program to me is is a higher power and this big book to me has been a higher power for many years. Um, I just maybe don't follow it as closely as uh, I'd like to. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Garrison. Can you give us the initial of your fir- your last name, the first yeah. initial? What it's is M. it? It's M, like mom. Okay, great. Thank you, Garrison. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Heard some really, really great things, and I'm so grateful that I, we get to continue to study this because I, I, I see something new every time. And uh, you know, and when I got here, I, I, I fit the bill here. I was one of those people that I was seemingly, I had this seeming inability. I was appearing intolerant, and you know, but I was beaten to a state of reasonableness. It tells me that I was handicapped. I was restricted to function by obstinacy, 
insensitiveness and unreasoning prejudice. You know, and so I, my prejudices were that, you know, I had a lot of dislikes and a lot of distrusts, you know, and, um, and I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. You know, that was the good news when I finally heard it, you know, and it, and it says that, you know, this sort of thinking had to be abandoned. It had to be cast aside. You know, it had to be, you know, and, and the good news for me was, you know, finally when I got to a place of just being willing, you know, I could start right there. You know, I didn't have to be anywhere. I could just be where I was. And, and I'm so grateful that that happened, you know, so grateful. But, of course, you know, alcohol was a great persuader, you know. It kind of turned me to the deal like, okay, what do you want? You know, finally, do you want to go on to the bitter end or do you want to accept spiritual help? And finally, because there was a time that I played with those two choices, I came to that place where I was going to accept spiritual help. You know, I was going to accept spiritual help. And, you know, to be beaten to that state of reasonableness for just one moment, you know, I had some sound judgment for just one moment when I picked up that spiritual kit. You know, and, and then it talks about the tedious process, the long, slow process. That was my story. You know, that was certainly my story. So I was ready to do something different. And I'm so grateful that we're learning this stuff one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Rose M., please go ahead. Hi, um, this is Rose M. I'm a recovered um, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you for your service. Um, and I just wanted to comment um, relatively quickly um, that when I was looking this over, um, this particular paragraph, it really struck me that um, this um, being handicapped by obstinacy and sensitiveness and this unreasoning prejudice, um, even though I, um, you know, went to church every Sunday and, um, you know, all of that, I, I was really in this category. Um, I was so concerned with what, um, other people believed and, um, what other people did who, um, professed to be, you know, of my, um, faith, um, or of my belief system that, I I was ready to just give up having a relationship with God. Um, at times, um, I did walk away from it um, before the program. And um, I think what I realized um, once I started working the program and the steps was that it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is thinking. The only thing that matters is what I believe and what my relationship with God is. And, um, you know, when I was faced with the potential that, um, you know, uh, that my compulsive overeating um, was going to kill me um, sooner rather than later, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, what, what do I have to lose? You know, what do I have to lose when I trust this higher power, when I trust God, who, um, who is good, who wants who wants me to be healed, who wants me, who wants me to have a better life, um, because I can't pull myself out of this. Um, and, um, you know, I, I do believe that I needed God. I do believe that I, there was no way I could have done it on my own. Um, and, you know, for that, I'm, I'm very thankful. And for all of you on the line who, you know, um, showed me, um, showed me how to work these steps. I'm so thankful. Um, With that, I pass. 
Thank you, Rose M. Okay, who else would like to share? This is Larry. Larry. Barbara E. Okay, one second here. Um, Larry K., Barbara E., and I heard someone before Barbara. Who was that? Harlan G. Oh, Harlan G., okay. Anyone else? Susan H. Susan H. Anyone else? Okay, we'll start with those four. Larry K., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, you know, I use the analogy water. You know, water is, it, it's everywhere. It's in all living things. I, I cannot be separated from, from water. Without water, there's, there's no life, period. And, and water, it's interesting to me anyway, water comes in many forms. It's uh, liquid, vapor, ice, snow fog, rain, hail. But, you know, what's interesting is no matter, no matter what the form is, it's still water. And, and human beings give this stuff many names in, in lots of different languages and all its, uh, its different varieties. And it, it, it's really crazy to argue over what the true name is. I mean, call it whatever you want to call it. There, there's no difference to the water. It is what it is. And, you know, us human beings, we drink lots of different, uh, in, in lots of different containers. We, we drink from cups and glasses and jugs and our own hands, whatever we use. And to argue about which container is the proper, is proper for water, well, that's crazy too. Because the, the container doesn't change the water. And, and, you know, some of us like our water hot, some like it cold. You like it with ice in it, fizzy, however you want it, with stuff mixed in it, whatever. And no matter, you know, no matter what you like in it, it doesn't change the nature of the water. And never, never mind the name for the, the cups or the mix. You know, the, these, these aren't important. What we have in common is thirst. Thirst for the water that gives us life. And, and so it is with, uh, with this notion of God. And, you know, and what, what's, what I find is, is that in searching for a higher power, we start, you know, in step one, we, we move toward and become like that which we think about. And in order to get where we want to go, we need to find out where we are. And I found that in step one. That's where I was in step one, powerless, unmanageability. And I also needed to figure out where I'm going. And that was step two the solution, and then I needed to come up with how to get there, and that was steps three through 12. That was how to get there to have this thing. I could deny that the water exists. You know, then I just, I'm just working against life. How about I just kind of go with the flow of the water? That's what I needed to do, and my life's changed. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Harlan G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to Team Tuesday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I um, I went to religious school as a kid, 
and I saw that there were lists of obediences that I was going to have to follow. Some of them involved food, not eating it, eating this instead of that. And at some level, my brain just went, tilt, I'm not going to do this. This is, this is screwed up. I ain't doing this. This is just crazy. I saw no purpose to it. I saw no rhythm under heaven to it. I saw nothing. And I looked around, and I had a lot of pain in my life. I know there's not anybody else on this line that can relate to that. But I had a lot of physical pain, and I had a lot of emotional pain in my life. And like all of us probably, or most of us, I shouldn't assume all, most of us, we prayed and said, take this away from me, make this different. And nothing happened. And I knew about the Holocaust, and I knew about babies that died of cancer, and I knew about this, and I knew about that, and I said, ah, there's no God. This God thing is just, this thing is for the birds. This is crazy. And my mind just snapped shut, and I became very prejudiced and very obstinate, and I had unreasoning prejudice. When we read Appendix 2, we're going to talk about that too. And then one day later in my life, I saw people that had exactly what I had dreamed about all my life. They had freedom from their food obsession and did not find it necessary to compulsively overeat food, and they were doing so happily. And then one day I started to take action after action after action, which I did not yet believe in. But I did it because I saw that it was working in other people. Alcohol was not the great persuader for me. Food was not the great persuader for me. Excruciating pain and a life ripped asunder by self-will and addiction was the great persuader. I turned to God when I had nowhere else to turn and I started taking those actions and my mind started opening up and my life started getting better. Now, I will never have explanations as to some of the things that happen in this world. I don't know why my mother had three personalities. I don't know why some babies are born with cancer. I don't know why some babies are not born at all. They're still born. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I do know this. God entered my life and improved it in areas that I didn't even know were broken when I let my mind open up to the possibility of yes rather than no, and I started doing the action that I needed to do, and my life is better and continues to improve, and my belief, my faith, is strong because I take action after action. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Barbara E., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Barbara E. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Barbara. Wow, I've just heard so many hard acts to follow, so I can only speak from my heart. I love the analogies that have been used, the car navigator, the water, 
everything. I recently got a new car, and it's got all these safety features. The car beeps at me when I go on to the rumble strip where I don't put my blinker on. I've got a front camera and a back camera. I'm not a great driver. These keep me safe, but I didn't trust them at the beginning. I was swiveling and and worrying, and now I trust them, just as I trust my car navigator. And when I came in, I was certainly skeptical. I was scientifically oriented. If I couldn't see it, touch it, or feel it, it wasn't there. But just last night, on television, there was a scientist being interviewed, and he was talking about the concept of black matter out in the universe, holding the stars in so that they don't fly away as the earth rotates. And the interviewer said, well, if you can't see it, touch it, or feel it, how do you know it's there? And he said, well, all signs are pointing to it. It explains so many principles that we feel that we're on to something. So we have the faith that we are on the right track. And that's what it occurs to me. I'm going to throw in, if I have the time, one more analogy. There was a young woman who was getting an award for teaching, and her students were so excited to be there with her. They brought in a beautiful balloon, and they said, you've got to prick it. And she was very fearful to prick the balloon, but they insisted. So she took the needle and pricked the balloon, and lo and behold, there was a flower, a beautiful flower inside. And that is, what, that is how she came to realize that she was that flower, and she had this balloon or shell around her that had to be popped, pricked open, so that she could become the person she wanted to be. And am I now willing to trust? Sure. What do I have to lose if I trust in God? Discontent, insecurity, anger, fear? Sounds good to me. And what what can I gain? Serenity, tolerance, acceptance, kindness. Yes, I want these things. I want to have a better life. My big old ego is not enough. I have to let go and let God and let go of any cynical feelings that I might have so that I can constantly be evolving and growing. And I like that we don't need to know what we call this higher power. I can call it his store. It doesn't matter as long as I believe there's a power greater than myself. And today I do. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E., Susan H., please go ahead. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, thanks. This is Susan H., and I'm a recovered, grateful recovered compulsive eater from Ohio. I love this chapter very much. Um, this sort of thinking had to be abandoned as our own power failed us and as other people's power failed us. We have to cast aside our antagonism towards the idea of a higher power, not always easy at first, because we have to rely on a higher power, not a group, not a sponsor, but abandon ourselves to higher power, which is the power we must have to recover. I am grateful today that I was beaten to a state of reasonableness by my disease, 
because I now have a relationship with a higher power that was with me, but just just waiting for my reasonableness. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Susan H. Okay, we can take a few more. Who else would like to share? Janice M. Lori T. Melissa C. Janice M. Lori T. Melissa C. I think I missed someone. Julie M. Julie M. Okay, anyone else? Okay, Janice M., please go ahead. Well, good morning to you, Kathy, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, when you see, when I see the word seeming inability, that doesn't, that means to me that, you know, it's not necessarily so. So this second step doesn't tell us we have to have faith, because faith comes after. It's not the first thing that we have faith. There's a process before faith, before becoming really faithful and believing in something unseen. So when we did the, when we embarked on the first step, we knew we were powerless. We were helpless. I mean, hopeless. So we we admitted that we were honest. Um, so now we need a power, but how do you get to that power? Well, it's a process. We don't get to that power in this second step. First, we came. We came to our way. We saw people getting recovered. Then we got a sponsor, and then we embarked on the steps, and then we started to, you know, get revelations of a higher power, and then we got a result. See, we, me, we, me I you know, wanted results right away. But see, I, I, don't, I, I was afraid because I didn't know the results. And fear and faith cannot exist. It's like oil and water. So what do we do? We start with step one, which is the willingness. Then step two, willingness is the foundation. And then step two is the cornerstone. It's willingness to believe. Nobody's telling us who to believe, what to believe, what to call the name. So, you know, but my handicap, it says here, um, found ourselves handicapped. Yes, I was handicapped mentally. I was handicapped because I rejected, I resisted, I recoiled because of my will was so strong. Okay, so they said, okay. You know, and and I'll give you an analogy. You move into a neighborhood and uh, you don't have a dentist. So you ask the next door neighbor, you know, gee, do you know any good dentists in the the neighborhood? She goes, oh, yeah, I've been going to so-and-so and and he's good and he doesn't cost too much. So what do you start doing? You start going to that dentist. Now, you don't have faith in that dentist right away. You have to go there. There's a process. And then finally you come to the point that you say, gee, yeah, he is a good dentist and he doesn't cost a lot of money. So so, you know, it's the process as long as we open our minds. But you see, it's very hard to open a mind if it's really closed. So um, with that, um, you know, just hang in there because we, we want to, we're going to believe. We can't believe right now if we don't believe in something unseen um, because we don't have the result. And, you, and you, you know, without trust, 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 trust that it will happen. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Um, 
Laura T., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you so much for this meeting and this share. Um, uh, the sentence, though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. It reminds me, I watched this guy um, trying to get a horse go through. It was about a four by four, maybe two, three inches um, still of water. And, you know, first the horse just kind of stood there and and it was getting gentle nudges. He didn't really want to do it, wasn't going to do it. And then as the teacher started to apply more pressure and close the way the horse started to get more angry and frustrated and wanted to back up and make it, its ears getting agitated. And um, what struck me about it was when the horse finally realized that it essentially had or was going to be beaten, the teacher closed the gap, the whip was getting, you know, the pressure was getting harder and harder. And it was the quivering in the in the hooves. And this horse could just dip one hoof into the water and back up quickly. And the pressure stayed on and stayed on. And after nearly almost an hour, this horse finally simply took the two and a half steps it took to get across um, this little square of water. And it had tried veering off to the side, and every time the teacher would bring it back to the same place. And I think the disease is much that way. There's, there's no getting out of it. There's no going around it. And the pressure will just increase, and, and, and I can get as angry as I want. I can get as mad as I want. I can say no all that I want, but I'm going to be right back at that same spot. And so I appreciate that resistance is real. You know, and, and the fear of abandoning is real. Um, this was an enormous animal. I mean, just shaking to go through something that, from my perspective, and I think my higher power's perspective, is this isn't going to be that bad. This really isn't going to be that bad. And um, and uh, I wanted to just share that because it's a morning of wonderful analogies that I learned so much from. And... Uh, Anyways, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lori T. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate all the analogies this morning. And, um, you know, I'm just laughing because... um, for me, in the beginning, yeah, gosh, I wished years ago I would have heard some of these analogies. Maybe it would have made it easier for me to, um, you know, buy in, um, or perhaps not. You know, everything happens. Uh, and people may have been saying those things all along, but I wasn't exactly ready to listen um, because I wasn't beaten down enough. You know, that's I, – I bristled at God. Like, when they talked about that, um, I – was so prejudiced against this God. I thought I was far too smart for something as, you know, as simple as that. Um, And, you know, and so I would point out um, the prejudiced people around me as as reason why I shouldn't believe, you know, um, because all these religious people that seem to be in my life, um, you know, I was judging them. They, They were prejudiced. And and my gosh, I was the most prejudiced of all. I wasn't even looking at what what words they had to offer. And, um, you know, it just 
it, it, it dawns on me more and more how incredibly powerful and useful um, my experience is. That um, pain really is the great condenser. And so, um, you know, my experience of pain was really important because it took it took that to convince me to listen. And, you know, um, it's not so difficult. I think that's the other thing that I really wanted to hone in on this morning is that we come here, or I came here thinking, um, I need to have a really clear definition of what this higher power is. I must understand it. It's got to exist in my intelligent mind. And, um, that is just not true. You do not need to understand it in order to utilize it. Um, just the same way as all these great analogies people were using this morning, I don't need to understand, you know, how the light works in my house. I was using electricity years before I even knew what electricity was. And, you know, so you really got two choices. You want to sit in the dark or turn on the light, you know, and um, you can we can begin exactly at that point um, and allow the process to teach us and give us a definition of the higher power if that's if that's what it takes, or we could just utilize it without knowing exactly what it is. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Julie M. Please go ahead. Hello. This is Raquel. When you get to it, if I may. Okay, Raquel, Julie M. is up Hi, next. This is, Hi, this is Julie M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And thank you so much for your service and for this meeting. I was very prejudiced against God or anything that might have resembled God. I didn't used to be able to even say that word. But, you know, I can remember at, at about the age of 10, pronouncing that I was um, atheist because I, I just couldn't understand the the wars going on and, you know, if you believe in this God, you're saved and just none of it made sense to me. And so when I came into program, um, I came in to be thin and I I saw these people in the meetings. I mean, I used to just cry and cry and cry and I, I would hear people sharing who they were laughing, they were joyous, they had, they'd lost a ton of weight or they'd gained weight depend, depending on where they came from. And they would say things like they would get on their knees and pray. And I remember thinking that just seemed crazy. But it came to a point for me where I had been beaten down so low by food and so low by my life. I used to just wake up wanting to kill myself that I, I remember at one point being so low that I just tried it. I got on my knees and I prayed and I didn't even know what to say and I was completely, you know, making it up because I'd never done it before and it was very difficult for me, but something something was relieved and I just, the only way that this has, that I have come to believe in a power greater than myself because I was willing to take the action to act as this, and for me it was pretending for a while. And but this the shifts happened gradually, but I noticed that it worked, and that's the only reason I could continue doing it. 
um, I remember looking at a plate of food, knowing it wasn't quite abstinent, and swearing at my higher power to go somewhere else and that, you know, you don't exist anyway. And it, it wasn't until I did things like say the first three steps out loud before I put anything in my mouth where I had felt agitated before and then after doing that, I just felt a calm come over me. And so it, it was only through practicing things that people told me that I heard and that I, that I could actually think, I don't know why this works. I have no idea, but I'm, I'm actually being shown that it does work. And so through practicing that over and over, over it's been about six years now, um, I do believe in a higher power. And I know that it is the only thing that's keeping me abstinent and sane. And getting through the 12 steps is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it's a way of life that I can't imagine living without. I wasn't living without it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie M. Okay, Raquel, you can take our last two-minute share, please. Raquel, press star one to unmute. Hello, Rebecca. Yeah, you have two minutes, Raquel. Thank you, thank you. It will be very short. I, I want to claim my seat in this wonderful, wonderful discussion, and thank you for your service. I just... I, I believe that what is behind, for me, what is behind the prejudice, what appears as prejudice, is nothing but fear and pride and inability to trust all wrapped together. And the moments when I get that lifted are just paradise on earth, but I only have blinks, you know, like splashes of it, and, and it's incredible. And I, I wanted to say, you know, this. Little boy on the beach was made a little hole and he was running with his bucket to the ocean and bringing little buckets of water into that hole. And somebody asked him, why are you doing this? And he said, don't you see? I'm emptying the ocean into this hole. This is what my brain is trying to do to understand what God is all about and what he is in my life. So I'm going to leave the little bucket alone and the hole and just take it for faith that all of you, my sweet friends there, my family, the way that you're sharing, no matter what hard times I go through, when I tune in and I and I listen and I get into my heart all this heartfelt sharing, I feel maybe maybe God will have mercy on me too finally as a Bible teacher and tell me that innocent, wonderful faith that is manifested here on on the line. Thank you so much for letting me share and a wonderful recovery to everybody. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, that was well done. Nice and short. I think we'll close the meeting now because we have less than a minute left. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Um, Today's share ID, Tuesday, May 30th, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting is 9990. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will ask Allison L. to read A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to be Suggestive Only. Thank you so much. Good morning. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.